about tithing, that I believe in tithing. And I've heard a lot of messages about tithing, some against it, some for it. And they were, I've, heard, I've heard both sides of the story and heard some good message, messages that preached, you know, a message against tithing, not being New Testament. And I've heard some messages that were really good that preached that it was New Testament. But I believe it's New Testament. If you look in Hebrews 6 and 7, you'll see that the, the Bible says that Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Abraham's the father of our faith. And Melchizedek was a priest who had no beginning and no end. And it says Abraham paid, paid, paid this priest tithes. He gave tithes to Melchizedek. This was before Moses. So you see, I think, this is my personal opinion about tithing. It's the Bible. It's all through the Bible. And uh, I just want to encourage you this morning. You can certainly be legalistic about tithing. You can be legalistic about praying. Just because you're legalistic about tithing doesn't mean you should stop tithing. It means you should repent from being legalistic. Just, just like if you're legalistic about praying, you shouldn't stop praying. You should repent and say, Lord, I'm legalistic. Have mercy on me. Forgive me and give me a heart of grace to do this. Because that's, that's sort of my whole theology in a one-minute message. And I'm saying this before we receive the tithes and offerings this morning to encourage you to be biblical. Okay? I'm encouraging you to be biblical and tithe. If you're not a tither, you need to begin this morning tithing. Amen? And uh, if you're not convinced by that, well, I will talk to you later about it. <laughs> so, Father, we pray you'd bless this. Give us uh, cheerful hearts, Lord. We don't believe in that old negative giving thing. Give us cheerful hearts, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts. Uh, where are you? Yeah, there's you. There's you are. Dave is going to come and give a testimony while we're receiving the tithes and offers. So come on up here, Dave, and did you want to say something, Kathy? Yeah, let's give Dave a hand. This man is one hard-working man for the Lord. You find this guy doing stuff. I found him on top of somebody's roof one day when they weren't even home roofing their house for him. I find him out here one night back here working, building something. For MCA, he quit that and came in here and helped me do something in here. Nobody sees that. I'm exposing you. I'm not stealing any of your your glory, because <laughs> the Lord's going to bless you. But he's a good guy. He really is. We really love this man and his wife and his children. They're just just great people. And we're so blessed that Dave, that you're part of this church. I just wanted to take this opportunity to embarrass you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had our Alpha celebration dinner. Uh, Friday night, and it was really a precious time, and we had several testimonies, and, you know, when I'm tired and I think, oh, I don't know if I want to do another Alpha course, and I hear the, the life that's on it, you know, I say, okay, this is really the Lord, and I want to do it again, and um, especially now, I just feel like there's just so much going on in people's lives and in the nation, and it really is a time for people to get together and uh, find out more about the Lord or... Even if you know the Lord, it's just a great time to, um, re, you know, reevaluate where you are in the Lord. And also, if you're not a part of this church or you're just new to the church, it's a good time to really get knitted. But um, I want David took it last time, and he and his wife Donna are just real precious, and I want you to share what the Lord did for you through Alpha. 
Thank, thank you. This is really not my thing. Uh, but I'd like to thank the Lord for putting me here today and thank Byron for allowing me to take up some of the time up here. Uh, the Lord's brought me a long way from where I was. And uh, Alpha is a big part of that. Alpha taught me how to uh, to love and, and cherish and uh, receive what God has to give me. And I cherish all that. Uh, I, I believe the Lord has blessed the, court, the Alpha course. And I would really like to see everybody have it, take it. Uh, and uh, they, I, I'd like to take it again someday. From it, it's the Lord just unscrewed my heart in the Alpha Course and just filled it full of everything that's, that's good. And He He got rid of the bad stone heart, you know. Uh, I hope I don't offend the Lord or anybody up here today. I just want to let you know Alpha is a real good thing, and I, and, uh, I thank the Lord I had the opportunity to take it. Thank you. David really is a good guy, and I really enjoyed getting to know him. Just to sort of clarify what the Alpha course is, if you don't know what it is, it is an 11-week course, and what we do is we get together once a week on Monday nights, and we eat together. And then we either watch a video or that uh, has a little Bible lesson in it, or uh, sometimes I'll do a, a, a teaching. But we do that for 11 weeks. And during the process of those 11 weeks, you, you touch on pretty much the basic foundations of what we believe in this church. So even if you've been a Christian for a long time, but you're new to Calvary Community Church, this would be a great way to... to to, uh, to accomplish two things. One, to find out really how we approach the things of the Lord, you know, what our basic belief and style structure is. And the other thing is get to know people so that when you come here on Sunday morning, it's just not a room full of strangers. You know, you make friends as you, as you have fellowship with each other and you eat together. And so it's, it's a great time. And in the middle of the course, we take a one-day little mini-retreat where we go away together, and it's, it's a really good time. And we're going to start on October the 1st. That's not tomorrow night, but a one week from tomorrow night, and we meet on Mondays. If you're interested in that uh, course, raise your hand, and uh, my wife Kathy will come around and give you a little paper. Um, anybody interested in doing that course? Um, and uh, she'll give you... A, little paper, and that way she'll track you down. Kathy is a person who will track you down and, and find out where you are and how to get you here to the Alpha uh, course. That was great, wasn't it? Okay, we're going to let the kids be dismissed. And I really encourage you to take that Alpha course. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 40 years. It'd be good for you. It really is. I, I, I did it last year, I guess. So I was blessed by it, and it's good to get to meet, you know, hang around people and eat with them and, you know, just do that kind of stuff that Christians love to do, eat and <laughs> hang around. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. Um, we have a guest speaker this morning. Thank you, Lord. Phil Elston, I don't know if you guys remember Phil. He was here back in the spring. 
Phil is from Sherman, Texas. Phil is a guy who ministers prophetically all over the world. He uh, ministers to world leaders. He really has a powerful prophetic gift. Um, but Phil doesn't really, none of that stuff really uh, touches him. His real heart, and this is what I like about the guy, his real heart is people, is God's people in the church, to see the Lord bless them and encourage them and help them in their Christian walk. And a uh, very humble fellow which, you know, is important to, to me. And he's got a lot of uh, character, which is real important, along with the gifting, which is pretty significant, I feel like. So he's got some of the things that I'm looking for in ministers is character and gifting and anointing and a proven track record. So let's, let's just welcome Phil and give him a, a North Carolina clap. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you today. Uh, I want to lead us in a prayer, if I can find it here. Let's, uh, let's just say this together as a prayer. Let's say, Father, we ask this morning that the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon us. Father, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and understanding for the times that we live in. Father, we ask for a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Father, we ask that we would delight in the fear of the Lord. And that we would not judge by what we see with our eyes. Or decide what we hear with our ears. Father, this morning we ask for the power of righteousness to help us to see and understand. The times that we live in. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning just about uh, stability in the midst of instability and faith uh, in the midst of fear. And something the Lord uh, has been speaking to me for a good, a good long while, several years, me and some friends of mine, about the spirit of terrorism is that the spirit of terrorism, the fruit of that, what it wants from its acts is fear. And this spirit wants to fill as many people's hearts with fear through their violent actions so that it would, we would draw back in our fear and that we would go cautious and that we would want to go and hide from living life. Does that make sense? So how do you and I, as the people of God, remain a stable group of people in the midst of a very unstable time and in the midst of some very unstable people and in the midst of a lot of people who are just full of fear. So uh, just talk about this for a minute. I just ask the Lord to just to help me communicate this. In, uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, let me read this scripture to you. It says this, Paul says this. He said, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now let's say this together. I like to do this. I like for people to repeat things. Uh, I'm from Texas. We talk to ourselves in Texas. That's just because we want to get an intelligent conversation going. But, uh, <laughs> but I feel like the best way to learn is to repeat things. And uh, so also I think you believe your own voice more than anybody else's. So let's say this together. I can't fight the good fight if I can't keep the faith. Now, think about this for a minute. And how, what is, let's say this now. Let's. Let's just do this together. I think this will work good. Let's say this together. The foundation, the foundation of all relationships, all 
is faith. You and I, uh, as friends, or a man and his wife, your, re- your relationship, your marriage, your friendships are no more stable than the faith that you have in each other. Is that right? And, and what is the most powerful thing to build faith or destroy faith in our, in our relationships? It's trust, but our words can build trust, can build faith, or it can destroy faith and trust. Now, I've been married 36 years. I'm nearly 59 years old, just a couple of months. And something I've learned out of 36 years of marriage and raising kids and grandkids is that if we're going to have a stable relationship, my sons and I, they have to believe what I say. I will do. I will do. And I have to believe that when my son speaks to me, that I can put my faith in his words and that he will do what he says he will do. And Paul said this. He was an old man at this time. I don't know how old, but he, was, he, he wasn't a young man. been in the ministry over 25 years. And he told Timothy, his son in the faith, he said, Timothy, I've finished my race. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Now, something I feel like the spirit of terrorism wants to do, uh, the fruit of it is to destroy our faith. First, our faith in our government and its ability to protect us. To destroy our faith, even, even challenge our faith, try to destroy our faith in the keeping power of Almighty God. Does that make sense? So how do we combat that? I think it's through faith. I'm just, I'm just going to read you a few things about faith, and I'll try to hurry, not take, take very long. But these are some very familiar scriptures to you, but I ask that you think about them in a new light today. When we think about faith, so many times we think about new cars and boats and money and things, but it takes faith for us to stay together. It takes faith. It, it's going to take the faith of America, and especially the faith of the church in America, for America to remain stable in our times. And you and I cannot afford indifference and passivity. Our nation can't afford that. We can't afford it as a people. Let's say this together. Indifference Indifference. destroys faith, faith. erodes Erodes trust, trust. and kills courage. courage. Don't be indifferent in these times. In Luke uh, 18.8, the last part of the verse, Jesus says this, powerful scripture. He says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Well, faith in what? Faith in him, faith in each other. I hear people say all the time, you know, I don't have any faith in people, but I have faith in God. You can't have faith in God unless you have faith in people. Because where is he today? I'm looking him right in the eye. If you can't trust people, you can't trust God because God uses flesh and blood to accomplish his will. In fact, it says in Hebrews that Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. And where is Jesus this morning? He's right in this room. We are his body. You and I live in a very cynical nation, and we're part of a very cynical society. And I want to say to you, that is the work of the enemy. Because if he can sow seeds of discord, 
and trust. Let me ask you this. Does Jesus love everybody? No, he doesn't. Hebrews says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. That's in the New Testament. Proverbs says that he hates a man who sows discord among brothers. All through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, red-letter scriptures, he looks at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, and he says, Woe unto you, Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law. Jesus has likes, and he likes dislikes. I mean, it's obvious one day he looked down from heaven, and the only man on the earth, he said he was sorry he ever made man. But Noah found favor in his sight. There's no record of God loving or even saying that he liked Mrs. Noah. And it's not in the Bible. It doesn't even say he liked Noah's sons. But he liked Noah, and because of Noah's favor with God, it was salvation for his family. How many fathers in here this morning? How important is it for you and your family and your children, for you and I as fathers and grandfathers to find favor with God? It's vital. But how do we get that? I think it's through faith. Not faith for things, but faith in God, faith in each other. We must find we must have faith. So Matthew nineteen twenty six says this Jesus looked at him and said, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We all believe that, don't we? I mean God can do anything he wants. He doesn't do something because it's right. He does it that makes it right. Have you, have you figured out yet that God's not fair? I mean, in, the, in, in our simple American minds, and our mindset of fairness, God's not fair. Read the book of Job and tell me he's fair. And he doesn't do something because it's right. He does it. That makes it right. He's the standard. Does that make sense? So I say, yeah, I can read that scripture and say, man, anything's possible with God. He can do anything. But here's where it gets a little more difficult for us. Mark 9:23, Jesus says this, If you can, everything is possible for him who believes. I think it's interesting to note here, faith is first applied to God's ability to do the impossible, but then faith is applied to you and I as the people of God, as believers, impossibility becomes a possibility through faith. Let's say this together. Impossibilities. The impossibilities of life are made possible through faith in God. Now, most of you guys have lived life long enough to know that life can bring you some pretty impossible situations through raising children, through living life. But through our faith in God, the impossibilities of life become possibilities. Some of you guys have experienced that, I know. Because in any, any gathering this size, there, there are men and women here this morning that's had almost the sentence of death medically. You've, you, so many impossible situations come up in your families, in your marriages, in your life, and through faith, those things are made possibilities. Does that make sense to you? Listen, guys, the enemy is after our faith in our day. And why do, you think he's, why do you think the enemy works so hard at destroying our faith, not only in God, but our faith in our, in, our, in our nation, our faith in each other? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Does that make sense? 
So faith is through faith. God, all things are possible to God, but then then it's applied to us. Let's say this together: through faith, all things possible are equally possible, are equally possible for those who believe. Even in the Quran, it says, "Blessed are the true believers." The power of faith is an incredible force. Now let's say this together. It makes no sense to say I believe and remain unchanged by what I say. I believe. Doesn't make any sense to be a person like that. Let me read you some definitions of uh, of faith. This is out of the Noah Webster's Dictionary. Just uh, now, in the English language, we have two words for faith. One is faith and one is believe. But if I have faith, I believe. If I believe, I have faith. One goes with the other. Even in Greek, they have four words or five words, but it means the same thing. To believe is to have faith. And if I have faith, I believe. Does that make sense? All right. So this is what Noah Webster says. I like, I like these. It says, the first one, allegiance to duty, uh, to a duty or a person, loyalty. How important is it for us to instill these principles and these foundations in our children? How many of you guys own your own business? You find it hard to find faithful people that you can trust with the keys to your business, with your checkbook, with your reputation. Listen, how many, look at all these young people in here. There should be a line outside every church in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Charlotte, waiting for these young people to be given to the communities we live in as a gift of trust and faithfulness and loyalty. The world is crying out for young men like that and young women, and the businesses and employers of our nation want that in their employees. Is that right? You and I are the salt of the earth, and salt preserves things. We should, we should present our children <clears throat> excuse me, as, as gifts to the communities we live in. All right, next thing it says this, fidelity to one's promises. Byron, I'll be there at 7. 7.15 comes, I'm not there. <laughs> 7.30 comes, I'm not there. Have you, ever t- have you ever been waiting on somebody and they said, but what time did he say he'd be here? And I said, well, Philip said he'd be there at 7. They said, oh. I believe that when he walks in the door. What does that say about your words? Not much. Now, <clears throat> I was a railroad conductor for 27 years before I started doing this, and the only time is on time on the railroad. And so that's, 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 that's a real strong foundation principle in my life. I started railroading when I was 18 years old. But it's little things like that. Our words... Is what our words and our and our ability and keeping our promises, keeping our words, is direct directly relates people to our faith and our trust and our loyalty. I encourage you just in, over the next few months, look in the scripture and see all the rewards given to faithful stewards and faithful servants. It's a powerful thing. It's a simple thing, but it's powerful, and I believe it's profound. Next thing, it says sincerity of intentions. <clears throat> I think that speaks for itself. Next one says firm belief in something for which there is no proof. 
It's one of the hard things about faith. Another one that says uh, without doubt or question. <laughs> Let's say this together. God is moved by faith. You read some scriptures about that. Uh, Matthew thirteen fifty eight, And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Matthew nine twenty nine. Then he touched their eyes and said this. Uh, he said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. There's some scriptures in the Bible that just scare me silly. And that's one of them. Because there's some days I just say, oh God, please don't appear to me today and say that. <laughs> Are you the same? Listen, guys. Faith is, one, is, is the most powerful force in a man's life or a woman's life or a young man or a young woman. And you and I, as fathers and mothers, the one thing, it takes more than teaching. You have to model it. You have to impart it. It has to be real in your life. And our children, our young people need to see it. When we tell them we're going to be there at 7, we need to be there at 7. And with faxes, cell phones, satellite phones, emails, there's no excuse for not telling someone you're going to be late. You ever done that to your wife? Well, I'll be home for dinner at 6.30. Okay. Show up at 7. At least you could have done this call. Let's say this together. Time is life. If I'm going to show, let's say if I'm going to show Byron that I value him and I value him as a, as a person, what's the best way to do it? Not to waste his time. Does that make sense? Time is life. And I think our time and the way we invest our time reveals our priorities. Have you ever had somebody say, well, I just don't have time for that? <laughs> Let's say this together. I always have time for what I value and for my priorities. That's been heavy on my heart for the last three months. And uh, I've just felt the Lord's, uh, just his hand on me saying, you need to re assess and look at your priorities in life. All right, uh, this is uh, Numbers 14.28. This is another frightening scripture. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. <laughs> Have you ever just got depressed and maybe things going bad at home? You say, oh, honey, I just don't know how we're going to get out of this. I don't know how we're going to make it. <laughs> Probably nobody in here said it but me. You can pray for me. We're weak in Texas. But uh, but I want to say to you guys, we need to guard our lips and guard what we say because these guys I just read to you about, I just got through saying the Lord showed them a land of milk and honey. And he promised them. Moses had a word for them that he would give them this land. And because of their unbelief, in the first democratic church meeting in church history, the purpose of God was voted down 10 to 2. And they said, that's not a good word, Moses. We can't do that. The impossibilities over there are just too big for us. Forty years later, Joshua and Caleb led their children into the promised land. And when Caleb got his inheritance. He was the oldest man in Israel, and he looked at Joshua and he said, you remember 
what Moses, the man of God, said to me. And he said, he has kept me all these years, and now, just as he has promised. How, how important is it for you and I, as the people of God, how important is it for our nation, for you and I to have faith? All right. Matthew 17, 20, he replied, uh, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Wow. And I, I, I just have, uh, I've written out in the, in the margin of my Bible, mountains are the impossibilities of married life. <laughs> mountains are the impossibilities of raising children. Faith. Let's say this together. Faith will move God. And faith will move men and women, families and nations. I want to say to you, the Lord is on us today to be men and women full of faith for the sake of our nation. All right. Hebrews 11. We're doing pretty good. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for 